Amen. Good morning. Good to see you today. Everybody good? Well, good. 17 of you are. Man, I can pick that out. Are, are you glad to be in God's house? I'm glad that you're here. God bless you for coming. Thank you for being a part of, uh, of Kavanaugh Church and our fellowship today. Well, for uh, uh, 99.9% of you, you already know this. For the rest of you, let me tell you, I love West Texas. Man, it is such a beautiful place. It's a gorgeous scenery. There's absolutely nothing in West Texas that can block your view. You can see for miles and miles. And uh, I was born out there, raised out there. I love West Texas. I remember as a kid driving down uh, country roads and back roads and even out on the interstate, you'd, the only thing you could see are these things right here, right there. Man, you know what that is? That's, that's an oil pump jack right there. Oh, hammerheads working away. You know what they're doing, don't you? They're pumping out liquid gold. Texas tea, man, they're all over the place out in West Texas, and uh, I can remember those as a little kid. I was just fascinated with how they pump back and forth, pumping that oil out, and man, they can produce some really good odors too. I remember throwing up in the back seat a few times when we passed them, but uh, the, seeing those right there reminds me of a story uh, that Bill Bright told in his book on uh, the Holy Spirit. In, in fact, it's a true story. It happened in the Great Depression back in the 1930s in the Permian Basin region of West Texas, just a little bit south of where I grew up. Uh, it all centered around this guy named Ira Yates. Uh, Ira lived in a, a small town. He tried several different things in business and one thing from another. Finally, he bought a little general mercantile store, and it was very successful. It, it had quite a revenue. One day, a guy came in the store and was quite impressed with it, and he said, hey, Ira, I own 16,000 acres of land a little bit south and west of here. I'll trade you my ranch of 16,000 acres for your general mercantile store. Well, Ira had always wanted a ranch of his own, and this was a huge ranch. Can you imagine 16,000 plus acres? And so he said, I'll do it. And so they made the deal, and Ira moved his entire family to this ranch. It was, it was going to be a sheep and cattle ranch, but I mean, it's in West Texas, <laughs> you know, and it probably takes 40 acres to feed one cow, all right? And so he was unsuccessful as a cattleman. In fact, his family was going hungry, and Ira became very depressed, and finally, he was able to feed his family through government welfare. And that was the life he was living, 16,000 acres of land, but he was living on welfare. And finally, one day, a seismographic crew from an oil company was traveling through that part of West Texas, and they really didn't think oil was that far south and west in the state of Texas, but they stopped at Ira's ranch, and they asked him, would you mind if we just drilled a, a test well on your property? Well, Ira asked questions about it and found out there could be some money if there was oil. And so he quickly signed the lease and they dug the first well. And let me tell you, it was a gusher. 80,000 barrels a day that first well produced. Now, if you take that in modern oil price terms today, that would mean that that well was pumping out Four million dollars a day. Wow. Guess what? They dug some other wells. In fact, the countryside was full of wells. And at one time, Ira Yates' 
ranch was the most productive oil field in the entire world. They nicknamed it. They called it the Yates Pool. And for years, it produced high volumes of oil. But there he was, old Ira Yates, scraping by on government welfare when he was setting on hundreds of millions of dollars worth of oil, all because he did not know what he possessed. And I tell you, there are a lot of Christians, some of you sitting in this room today, followers of Jesus Christ, yet you are frustrated, you are defeated, you are living fruitless lives because you do not know the vast spiritual wealth of God that belongs to you through the work of His Holy Spirit in your life. And so you're living on welfare when it comes to spiritual terms. Well, today I'm going to start a new series entitled, Our Helper, the Holy Spirit. And you know what? That's what He is. He is a helper. How many of you have ever needed help in your life? Would everyone please raise your hand? How many of you need help right now? I think that's most of us in this room. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us understand the reservoirs of God's blessing in our life. And that's not a name that I made up to describe the Holy Spirit. No, God gave the Holy Spirit that name. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16. He said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another what? Another helper, capital H, that is the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. And you know what? God the Father answered the prayer of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, we read how the Holy Spirit was poured out on those early followers of Jesus Christ. And since then, for every person who confesses Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of this series is to show us how the Christian life is both possible and powerful because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us how God shapes us and how God guides us and leads us and empowers us and relates to us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This series really was sparked with the last verse that I read last Sunday in our message. Remember we were talking about Jesus teaching us how to pray and he taught us a great way of how to pray and then he goes on at the end of the passage in Luke chapter 11 and in verse 13, and he compares this to uh, the Holy Spirit and with the Father giving us power in our lives. He said, how many of you fathers out there, when his son or daughter asked for a piece of fish, would give that son or daughter a snake? Or how many of you parents, when your children ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? And of course, the answer is none of us would in our right mind. Why? Because we love our kids. And Jesus said, here's the point of that. You are earthly people. You are sinful people. Yet you know how to give good gifts to your own kids. How much more so will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him for it? That's powerful right there. 
God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit when we get saved. But let me tell you, that is just the beginning of a life filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, let me tell you, the the real reason I'm preaching this series is not for you. I'm preaching it for me. Because I want all there is that God has to offer to me in my life. I want all the blessings that the Holy Spirit has to give. And let me tell you, this was no afterthought on the part of God. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, along with the gift of the Holy Spirit, is God's package gift to you. He wants to give this package gift to you. And the gospel connects all of this together. The death of Christ, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's all a part of God's package gift he wants to give you. And that is why John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, said this about the ministry of Jesus Christ. Our key verse, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And in Matthew 3, 11, John the Baptist is speaking, and he said, I indeed baptized you with water unto repentance. And that's how John was baptizing people, with water unto repentance. He said, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I am. I'm not even able to unlace his sandals or carry his shoes. Because people were making a big deal of John the Baptist. And I mean, he, he, he was a man, I'll tell you. Wearing camel hair, eating locusts. He was a man's man. You know, you didn't bug John the Baptist. I mean, he was, he was Grizzly Adams, man, before Grizzly Adams. He, he was a man's man. And he's saying, you may think I'm something, but I'm nothing compared to Jesus Christ. And then he said, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Well, what an interesting way for John the Baptist to describe the ministry of Jesus Christ. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, we've all witnessed water baptism, haven't we? When when someone is immersed in the baptistry, we, we understand what that means. It symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know the facts of the gospel. Jesus died on the cross, right? He was buried in a tomb, correct? But he didn't stay in the tomb. The power of God raised him from the dead, right? Amen? And when a person is baptized, they are giving a testimony or a witness to the world that the same thing has happened to them since they believe Jesus. They have died to the old way of life. Therefore, we bury them in that watery grave. That's what the water's for. It's a watery grave. We bury them to symbolize their death to the old man. But you know what? We don't keep them down there in the water. That's the biggest fear people have about being baptized. Will you leave me down there? No, I won't leave you down there. Now, granted, Brother Johnny takes them all the way to the bottom, all right? We've seen that happen, right? But we always pull them back up out of the water. They were buried, but you know what? Now they are alive in Jesus Christ. And when someone is immersed in water, they are swallowed up by that water. Now you're out here and you're looking up at it and you can't really see it, but I'm in there with the person. 
and I see it happen. I take them down, and when I take them down, the water swallows over them. And if there is a hand or a finger or a foot that's up, I make sure it gets under there too, you know. Because we want the whole thing buried in that grave, right? So the water swallows them up. And when John talks about Jesus baptizing with the Holy Spirit, he is describing what happens when we are saved. When you are saved, you are plunged into, you are completely engulfed in, and you are swallowed up by the Holy Spirit of God. He has complete control over you now. And then here in verse 11, it says the ministry of Jesus is also likened unto fire. He will baptize you with fire. Now, you know what fire is. Fire is all-consuming. Nothing is the same after fire touches it. And when we come to Jesus Christ and are saved, it is not a subtle thing. You don't get kind of saved. You don't get half saved. No, salvation is radical. Salvation is life-changing. It's life-altering. And so if you're here today and you think, well, you know, I've, I've I've been saved, but nothing changed. Then let me tell you, dude, you weren't saved. Because you're not the same. You're totally changed just as with fire touching something. Salvation changes you. Church, do you understand that? Do we get that? So Jesus, after his resurrection and before he ascended back into heaven, told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 that they were to stay in Jerusalem until they received the power of the Holy Spirit. That is, until they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 5 says, Jesus said to his disciples, For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the culminating work of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension back into heaven was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is what happens to anyone today who receives Jesus Christ. They are baptized by the Holy Spirit. So what does all this mean? I mean, that's just my introduction. My points will be faster than the introduction, but after that, what does all this mean? What what does all this that I've been talking about really mean? Well, it means a whole lot more than you realize it means. It means everything. This is the entrance of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Think of it in this way. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now inside of us. The Spirit of God is living inside us. Of us. And I want to show you this morning three experiences that we should expect to happen when we are saved and the Holy Spirit of God is, get this word, unleashed in our life. Now remember, who is the Holy Spirit? He's our helper. He's to help us. And so what, what happens when the helper is unleashed in our lives given freedom to help us. Well, here's what the helper does. Number one, he unifies us with Christ. He connects us to Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit 
is the Spirit of God being at one in our spirit and connecting us with God the Father and God the Son. Romans 8, 16, Paul said, The Spirit himself, and that is the big Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, little s, that's your spirit, that we are God's children. So when you're saved, the Spirit of God is given to you, and his Spirit connects with our spirit to tell us and to prove to us that we're now a part of the family of God, that we are children of God. Listen to the way Paul says it in Galatians 4, 6. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. Now, this is powerful right here, guys. Wake up, all right? Get this. This is awesome. That word Abba is only found three times in the Bible. Jesus spoke it one time. The Apostle Paul spoke it the other two times. It is a very intimate term that is only used in family relationships. It teaches us and tells us of the intimacy we can have with God the Father now. Why? Because his son has saved us and the spirit of God lives inside of us. And the term Abba literally means Papa. Daddy. And so get this. We get saved. The Spirit of God comes into our life. His Spirit is at one with our spirit. And His Spirit is able then to cry out to the Father, Papa, Father, be with your child, Will. You know what this means? This means I'm in the family. I am part of the family. And God has become not just my creator, God is now my father. Just like he's my earthly father, God is my heavenly father. And just like I can call him daddy when I need something. And let me tell you, that doesn't change, does it, dad? Then, you know, it doesn't change, man. Mom and dad are still mom and dad, aren't they? And when you need something, you can go to the people who love you, right? And you can cry out to them. That's what it means. Guys, listen to me. Salvation is not just a doctrine that we believe in. It is a real union with the living Jesus Christ. It's not just some cool theological detail for us to meditate on. Yes, I know, we are one with Christ. We died with him and we have been raised with him. But this union with Jesus Christ through the baptism of the Holy Spirit is as a personal relationship as it can be just as it is with your wife or your children or your parents. Why? Because you're part of the family. And you have the privilege of calling him Papa in a reverent kind of way, Father. But you know what? I know reality. And the reality of life is sometimes we feel disconnected from God. Are you there with me? How many of you have ever felt disconnected from God? 
Well, everyone ought to raise your hand because I'm sure we've all felt that way before. We know the theological details that we have been reconciled to Christ. We know that we are in Him and He is in us, but we don't feel that closeness. We don't feel His embrace. Now, granted, we need to be careful using the term feelings because feelings can be fickle, right? Feelings. I won't sing the rest of it, but you know where I'm going with that. Feelings, feelings can be fixed. And you know what? I'm not saved based on my feelings. I'm saved based on the fact of my faith in Jesus Christ. I know that I'm saved. You know what? But here's the real deal. Sometimes we don't experience real interaction with Jesus Christ because we're just not expecting it. God intends for us to not just know about him, but for us to know him on an interactive level. So that when I am praying, I realize I'm talking to God. And when I'm reading his word, I know that he is talking to me. And you know who makes that possible? It's my helper. The Holy Spirit makes all of that happen. I love the way John Piper put it in one of his books. He said, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is a real life-changing experience. Christianity is not merely an array of glorious ideas. It is not merely the performance of rituals and sacraments. It is the life-changing experience of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ and the Lord God of the universe. It's real, man. It's real. So that I can walk with him and talk with him every single day. I can feel him working in my life. I can feel close to him. I can cry out when I need something. Papa. You know what? I've started doing that, church. I've started. When I'm praying to God, just I'm praying, I'm, I'm lifting up my hands to him and saying, Papa, Abba Father. Man, I, I, I've, I've got a problem here I can't handle. I, I've got a need that nobody else can meet, and I'm asking that you help me. And here's what I envision with my hands raised high. It's like little kids in our church. I love when little kids see me. They think I'm Brother Johnny, and they reach their hands out to me. You know? You know what they're wanting? They're wanting me to hold them, to hug them. And, and no adult in their right mind, I mean... How cold and how callous would you be if a little kid comes up to you, get out of here. <laughs> we don't do that. What do we do? We reach down and we hold them. And you know what? Through the Holy Spirit, that's what Abba Father does when I do this to him. Amen? Thank the Lord for that. Well, number two, the Holy Spirit helps us with, number two, obtaining victory over sin. Now, if you weren't listening to me up till now, you need to turn your listening device on and listen to this. The gospel teaches us that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ accomplished forgiveness not only for the stains of sin that we have in our life, but it is real deliverance for the chains of sin that bind us and hold us down. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. To wash away the stains of your sin. 
but the blood of Jesus is also sufficient to bust the chains of sin that hold you down and defeat you. The Holy Spirit living in us is warring against the old sin nature that still resides in us even after we're saved. Let me put it like this. When you're saved, God, God doesn't exempt you from any temptation or from this sinful world we live in. You know, it'd be cool if once you got saved, he'd just zap you to heaven and we wouldn't have to put up with this anymore. But it doesn't work that way. We are saved. We are redeemed. But you know what? We're still living in a sinful world. And we're still having to deal daily with sinful people and with temptations. And the Bible says that war is going on inside of you. Do I do what is right or do I do what is wrong? In fact, let me read it to you. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. It gives us a description of this intense battle that is being waged inside of each of us. The Bible verse says, For the flesh, that is your body, your flesh, lust. Another word for that is wars. It's fighting. It's in war. It's in combat against the Spirit, capital S. And the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, against this fleshly nature that resides in us. And these are contrary to one another. It's like water and oil. They don't mix, do they? So that sometimes you do not do the things that you wish to do and you know you're supposed to do. That's reality. That, that's what's happening inside of all of us. You're saved, you're a believer, and because the Holy Spirit is living in you, you feel this battle that's going on every single time you're tempted to sin. Our old sin nature rebels against God. It wants to do the wrong thing, but the Holy Spirit is in us to give us the victory that we need when we're tempted to sin. So what are we supposed to do? We'll go back up one verse to verse number 16. Paul said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, we live with this continuous, constant effort every single day to walk by the Spirit of God, to walk in the Spirit, to listen to the Spirit, to follow His way of escape when the tempter comes, and He will give us victory. Okay, look at me. You do not have to sin. You don't. You've got a choice. And it is not a sin to be tempted because every one of us are tempted. The sin occurs when you listen to the flesh and not the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? This is real life. This happens every day. Because I want to be transparent this morning, can I? I? Sometimes I hate to be transparent because there's like, oh, I don't know, 3% of you who have put me on a pedestal and think I'm perfect. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to dispel your, your thought of me being perfect. No, I'm just like you are. I'm flesh and blood. I'm a man, you know. I have temptations that come into my life every single day. Every day. You know, there was a point in time 
Jason, when I was young in ministry, I thought I would, I would reach a level of spiritual maturity when temptations no longer affected me. I said that to this Jason. I'll say this to the other Jason. I've not found that place, Jason. It does not exist. In fact, I, I really think that, that I am tempted more now at 57 than I was at 27. That's tough, isn't it? And so let me tell you how this works in your life with something that happened to me this week. I got up early like I always do. I got my cup of coffee, went to my chair. I had my devotions. I read the passage that was for that day, and I prayed. Prayed. I pray that every day. Do my prayer time. After I finished that, I decided, you know what, while I'm right here on my phone, let me check the forecast, see what the weather's going to do today, and let me check my messages, see if I got any emails, and and uh, Instagram, see if any pictures on there. And then, then I, how many of y'all do Facebook? Can I just see your hand if you do Facebook? Raise your hand if you do Facebook. Lift it, leave it just for a second. Okay, there's a lot of you. I'm not really a Facebook person, okay? At one time, I thought Facebook was of the devil, you know? And uh, I did join Facebook a couple years ago when my daughter Callie went on the uh, world race, mission trip. They encouraged all of us parents to have a Facebook account so we could keep up with our kids. So I joined Facebook at that time, but I, I never opened it, never looked at it, never became friends with anybody. I just, I had the account. I don't like Facebook. Facebook used to be for little kids, now it's for old people. Are you with me? Okay, and, and if you love Facebook, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bad-mouthing your Facebook radio. But anyway, I never got on Facebook until Ella Jane came along. And Whitney was posting pictures and stuff, and you know what? I, I just fell, I fell into the trap. Hook, line, and sinker. And then, then one night, and I don't know what possessed me to do this. I was groggy. It was late. I should have been sleeping, but I was on there looking at Ella Jane pictures, and, and I pushed this little button because it had a, a little red circle with like 100 on it, and I thought, I wonder what that is. And so I pushed it, and what it was is people who wanted to be my friend. <laughs> and so I pushed the button, and here was this long list of people, and a lot of them were you. And I, well, I am their friend. We're friends, you know? And so I don't know what possessed me to do it, but I just started pushing, accept, 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 accept. I stayed up for an hour, accept. And I, I had 500 friends when I went to bed that night, you know? I learned my lesson that night. I've not accepted any more friends since then. So if, you, if you've tried to become my friend and I haven't accepted you, it doesn't mean I don't like you. I just, I've, I just ha I've not gotten that far in my relationship with you and Facebook, all right? Was it? <laughs> so anyway, the, the other morning, I'd, I'd finish my, my scripture, finish my prayer. I, I, I saw there was a bunch of numbers there on that little red dot again, so I pushed it again, and just for interest's sake, and you know, there are a lot of people on there, more church members, uh, Brady, there's some cowboys on there from, from cowboy shoot, and I just shot uh, Winter Range, you know, not long ago, and met a new bunch of cowboy friends, and they were wanting to be my friends. I didn't accept anybody that day, but I, I was looking down through there. G Gary, there were was, there was some people from Pine Bluff, from my church at Oak Park. Years ago, I passed them. They were on there, and, and you know, they'll have, they'll have the friend request, their name, and then there's a little picture there of that person. I guess it's their homepage. I, 
I don't know what I'm talking about here. But anyway, some of those Pine Bluff people, I, pu I pushed their picture just to see their face. I guess that's what really Facebook is all about, to catch up with folks. And I'd look at them and think, well, they haven't changed one bit. And then I'd push them, they changed a bunch, you know. <laughs> that's what it's about, right? And so I was slipping down through there looking at all these people who wanted to be my friend. And I saw this, this name, and it was the... It, it was the brand's the weirdest name. I couldn't even pronounce the name. It was a strange name. I thought, who is that? I knew everybody else, but I didn't know that person. And then I looked at the little picture next to it. I said, what is that a picture of? I took my glasses off. What? And then it dawned on me what it was. It was a female body part that needed to be covered up. That fast it happened. It was the devil. Dude. He called me dude. Dude. Just click on it. Just, just hit that picture. See, see who this person is that wants to be your friend. Click. Just push. All you got to do is push it. Nobody will know. Then the other voice spoke. It's my helper coming to my aid. He said, don't, don't be a sucker, Will. You, you know what he's trying to do. He's trying to trap you. You know if you push on that picture, you know you're probably going to see other body parts that you don't need to be looking at. And you know how the devil works. Once you see it, it's stuck in your head. And it's going to be in your head. And he's going to keep bringing it back to you. You're going to see it over and over and over again. Will, don't do it. And that old devil, man. Come on, man. You know you want to? My helper, Will, here is the way of escape that Abba is giving to you. Take it. And I took it. I killed the phone. And I got on with my day. The battle's over, and the victory's been won. That's what I was thinking. You know, Ed, I was feeling pretty good about myself because I shut the devil down, man. The battle wasn't over. I can't tell you how many more times that day that the devil spoke to me and said, come on, open that thing back up. You know you're dying to see who that person is. Come on, Will. He just keeps on, keeps on, keeps on. But every time, you know what? My helper was right there. Amen. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't give in. I'll give you victory over the sin. And Will, you know if you look at it, you're going to sin. Why? Because that morning in my prayer time, you know what I prayed? Lord, I give you my mind. I pray that I don't look at anything in my mind and think about anything that you wouldn't think about. I give you my eyes. Lord, help me not to view anything that you wouldn't view today. 
And so the Holy Spirit is telling me, you prayed that prayer, now live the life. And he gave me the victory to do it. He'll give you the victory as well. You've got to listen. You, got to, you know what? You've got to live your life every day in such a relationship with God and with Jesus and the Holy Spirit that there is no barrier, that there's no deafening of his voice. And if you say yes to the devil enough times, your heart will become callous and you won't hear that small voice of the Holy Spirit saying, this is the way of escape. So what do you do? You say no to the devil. You say no to the temptation. And then we have the third help that the Holy Spirit gives us. Not only does he make us one with Christ, and not only does he give us victory over temptation, but number three, he helps in the transformation of our character. And that's what the Bible calls sanctification. In theological terms, we call it progressive sanctification. It means that every day I am to be more like Jesus than I was today. And along with saying no to the impulses of our sinful nature, we will find ourselves saying yes to the character of Jesus that dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. Since we're in Galatians chapter 5, let's just hang out there for a second longer. If we continue to read in verses 19 through 21... We see what it looks like when the sinful nature, the flesh, takes over. This is the life of the flesh. This is living out that sinful nature. Here it is, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and he gives this long list of, of fleshly sins. What are they? Fornication, adultery, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what does that verse tell us? It tells us if we live by the flesh and live this lifestyle, there ain't no way we're going to heaven. That's the fact of the gospel. But then in the next verse, it shows us what it looks like when we are living by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does Galatians 5.22 say? But the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you know this verse, right? The fruit of the Spirit, the capitalist, the Holy Spirit, this is the fruit He's producing in our life. What is it? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, I'm almost finished with the sermon, but hang with me for a second. Two things about these verses. First of all, notice that the fruit of the Spirit is really the character of Jesus Christ. Those elements describe Jesus. Those are his values. That's what Jesus was all about. Go back and read the gospel. And what do you see? You see these traits fleshed out in the life of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit's job is to produce these character traits in your life. So that you're just like Jesus. Next, notice that these character qualities 
are internal. We feel love. We feel joy. We feel peace. We feel patience. We feel kindness. Let me tell you what character is. Character is who we are no matter where we're at or no matter who's watching us. That's what character's all about. Yet it doesn't stop just there. This character is going to be seen in our relationship with other people as well. So let me get down to the nitty-gritty. Husbands, does your wife see the character of Jesus fleshed out in your life? I mean, when, when it's just, you know, the family and the doors are closed and the drapes are pulled, what does your family see in your life? Love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness. Let me flip it around. Wife, what does your husband see in you? Does he see the character of Jesus? You know, it's amazing to me how, how some people can be so kind and loving and, and gracious when they're around other people. But you know what? You get them home, they're as mean as a snake. You know? Parents. Are you looking for and praying for this character, this fruit, to be produced in the life of your kids? J.D. Greer is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I love what he wrote. He said, when the Spirit is alive in us, His fruit will grow naturally in our hearts. The deeper we go into the gospel, the larger the Spirit's presence in our heart, and the larger His presence the more his fruit begins to abound in our life. We don't produce fruit by working it up with self-discipline and with resolve. We simply drive our roots deeply into the gospel and that fruit grows naturally. And man, I love that. I love that. The closer, the closer I get to Jesus, the more I look like Jesus... The more I act like Jesus, the greater the fruit that's in my life. And who does all that for me? It's my helper. <laughs> He's helping me. So how do we access all of this? Well, let me tell you, it, it's simply by faith. It's by faith. This is what Jesus had in mind when he said, John chapter 7, verse 37, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And when Jesus used that word drink, what he meant was you drink and you just keep on drinking. Then he explains what he means to drink. John 7, 38, whoever believes in me. So drinking is believing. And so we believe and we keep believing. We pray for it. We trust in it. We count on it. And what's the result? Well, Jesus went on to say in verse 38, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believe in him were later to receive. So you believe and you keep believing. You believe by faith. You trust Jesus. He'll give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You believe and you keep believing and that spirit is going to flow through you like living water. And he's going to satisfy everything that you need and have in your life. What a life, man. 
What a life to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So release your life to the Holy Spirit and have this river of life flowing through you. And you might be here this morning and say, well, <laughs> dude, you went right over my head today. I, I don't get any of this. Well, the problem is you don't get it because you hadn't got it. And the only way you're going to get it is through believing in Jesus Christ. Remember I said at the beginning, this is a package gift that God is going to give you. If you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're born again, then you know what? You get the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have rivers of living water flowing through you. Maybe you need to receive that gift today. The other hand, believer, Christian, maybe you're here this morning and, and you're like, you're like our old friend Ira Yates. <laughs> you're living a discouraged, defeated life. You're living on spiritual welfare because you haven't trusted the truth of the reservoir of wealth that is inside of you through the power of God's Holy Spirit. Hmm. Jesus said, whoever believes and keeps on believing in me, rivers of living water will flow through him. You know what I'm saying? Let it flow, Lord. <laughs> Let it flow. I told you a while ago, I'm not preaching this series for you. I'm preaching it for me. Okay? I'm, I'm 57, about to turn 58. I'm on the downhill slide of things. But you know what? I want the rest of my life to be the best it can possibly be. I want all that God has for me. I want all of God. And you know what? I want the Holy Spirit in my life. Leading me and guiding me and teaching me and helping me. Because here's what I figured out after 57 years. I can't do it on my own. I need a helper. And God's given me a helper. So today, would you claim that help? Let's go back to Luke chapter 11, verse 13, where we ended last Sunday. How much more so is the Heavenly Father going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Why don't you come this morning and ask that the river of living water flow through your life. Come and ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit from the top of your head to the bottom of your foot and say, Lord, lead me through your spirit and help me to follow his lead. Heavenly